We just finished our annual audit and my auditor pointed out that we have quite a few uncleared checks. What do I do when we have uncashed checks going back a few years? Pizza party. <laughs> no, you can't have a pizza party. <laughs> as much as that sure sounds good. <laughs> I know. As I wish that were the answer. We can just pretend it's the answer, but um, but no, that's sadly that's not the answer. Um in Nevada and actually in most states as well, there's unclaimed property law. And what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to set up a an account with the state of Nevada, which then collects all of the unclaimed property. So you you open up an account with them. And if you go to the show notes, there'll be information on exactly where to go in Nevada to set up your unclaimed property account. Um, and then you can you'll send them some information and then you will make a deposit of any of the money that you owe to other people. Um, and then the state takes care of it from there. You're responsible for sort of sending out, oh, by the way, just so you know, we had some money that belonged to you. And there's the state says specifically what you have to do. You send it to their, you send it by postal mail to their last known address. Um, in, in my experience, most of these unclaimed property, most of the checks that aren't cashed are usually like employee expense checks. So you'll write. Oh, interesting. Always because employees are like, oh, I'll just save this for Christmas. And then they stick it in a drawer and completely forget they had it. Um, so, so if it's employees and if you can get in contact with them, just tell them like, look, either cash the check or you're going to have to get it through the state of Nevada and, and they'll clear out some of that for you. But yeah, unfortunately you you don't get to keep it. You have to give it back and the state makes it relatively easy. Um, it's, it's not that hard to do on the flip side of it. If you haven't, if you're nonprofit, there's a chance that you are owed money through unclaimed property, but just for the exact same reason, someone wrote a check to you, it got lost in the mail you forgot about it or got it written off or there was some sort of settlement where your organization received some money from a settlement and they didn't really bother to try. Um, so if you go to and you put your EIN in at the state treasurer's office and you can fill out a form and they will tell you you have unclaimed property. And if so, they will just write you a check for however much that is. Score. So everybody listening to this podcast, your to-do item should be going to that website because, hey, maybe you've got some unclaimed property, some extra cash you can you can get right exactly it's not just businesses it's it's individuals too nonprofit governance nonprofit answers nonprofit board nonprofit management nonprofit marketing nonprofit resources the alliance for nevada nonprofits presents nonprofit everything the podcast about everything nonprofit with your host Andy Shurick and Stacy Wedding Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Nonprofit Everything. I've got my fantastic co-host, Stacey Wedding, here. We are super excited today because we got a bunch of really cool questions to answer. Um, we're going to bring in some, some people who know much more than we know to answer some questions as well, hopefully. And this all works because you send us questions. So go ahead and shoot us questions to the Nonprofit Everything webpage, the Ann webpage, to the Ann Facebook page, to the Nonprofit Everything Facebook page. Pretty much any way that you can get to either Stacy or I, we will actually, if you just like, like mention something random to us, we'll probably just turn it into a question. So we will. So can, That's a true confession. You can do true. that too. If it was an interesting enough comment, we'll make it a question. But this is all made possible by the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits. So if you haven't checked out the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits, please do that. It's a great source for nonprofits in Nevada. There's always a lot of stuff going on. They just did several webinars about the Paycheck Protection Act and all of these really super complicated technical questions that are way too complex for a podcast. So um, keep your eye out for those kinds of things because they're coming hot and heavy. 
And with that, we hope you enjoyed this episode. This episode of Nonprofit Everything is sponsored by the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits Job Board, your one-stop shop for the next step in your career. Searching job listings is totally free, and AN members receive a big discount when posting new jobs. There are dozens of nonprofit jobs available right here in Nevada, and there are out-of-state jobs too. Find it by going to the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits webpage and clicking the Job Board button, or access it directly at jobs.alliancefornevadanonprofits.com, or find the link in the Nonprofit Everything show notes. Should our nonprofit take a stand on social justice issues if we think it might alienate some donors? <laughs> oh, topical questions, huh? <laughs> oh, man. We can tell what's on people's minds. Yeah, and I'm glad that this is on people's minds because it's a really important question. Um, I, you know, I, I certainly have an opinion. And, and if you're going to guess what my opinion is, which is um, absolutely <laughs> Um, so, so there's tons of research and, and before we get too far, this is at, we're going to absolutely bring in a guest expert because this is the kind of oh, thing, we need to. right? This is the kind of thing where there are people who know way more about this than we do. Um, but, but there's, there's a ton of research out there and people in the nonprofit sector are probably more likely to believe it than people in the corporate sector are that when you take a stand on social issues, you bring the people that are interested in what you've got to say much closer to you. and the people that were never to, interested in you to begin with are not going to have their minds changed by you taking a stand on a particular social issue. I can talk about my time at three square. I think I've probably told this story on the podcast before too. We got a handwritten note with a check for, I think $25 on it. And the handwritten note said, um, here's $25. I would like you to use this money to feed American citizens only. Oh, I remember this. Right? We talked about, it's probably been two years we talked about like that, right? And and we had no hesitation at the food bank. It like, I, you know, I looked at it. I knew what I wanted to do. I brought it to the executive or the CEO and I said, hey, this is what we got. This is what I want to do. And the blessing was absolutely that's what you should do, right? There was not even any discussion internally about, oh, let's not hurt her feelings. So we drafted a letter which said, thank you very much for your donation. However, we we cannot restrict donations specifically to people who are American citizens. And that's it. And we returned it back to her with that little note. Um, there's a hundred percent chance she never gave another donation to the food bank again, but that was 25 bucks, <laughs> right? So it wasn't, Absolutely. it wasn't a really hard, we weren't selling our morals for a significantly amount, a large amount of money. It was just a very small Well, amount. and you and I both know that amount of money shouldn't matter. I know it can <laughs> matter, but like, we don't know when this reader talks about alienating some, or this, you know, this person says they're alienating some donors. We don't know what size donors we're talking about, but I still, I, that doesn't make a difference. In my opinion, I just think I what I would say, my push, my, my pushback to that would be that what donors are you alienating by not taking a stand? Because there's been a whole I've, I've been following all these sort of private Facebook groups that have nonprofit professionals and groups with, you know, nonprofit executive directors all over the country that are talking about this. And I would say if I were just roughly speaking, 90 percent of people right now are putting out some statement because a it's so intertwined in every mission out there, right? Social justice issues are at the core of those. I think the key is making sure that it is not done 
in a sloppy manner or in an obligatory manner. I, I don't know about you, Andy, but I've seen so many statements that come out that feel like people are doing it to check the box mm-hmm. instead of actually it's it's their core values. It's the way they work. And I think people can see through that. So I do think you have to be careful about that as an organization. So but it kind of comes back to your fundamental values, your mission, your how you operate, uh, who you serve. I, to me, it feels it just feels like a, a even if it's a donor on the line, I'm like, what about the donors who are waiting to see what you say? I, I think you got to look at it from both lenses. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and you have you make a good point about um, like, especially right now, there's a lot of every corporate PR department has put out some sort of statement that says either Black Lives Matter or something close enough to that, that they don't feel like they're actually going to put their foot in anything they don't mean to put their foot in. Um, and and you can tell just by the way they're written, whether or not they mean it, whether or not it's yes. like, you know, it's, so I, I read someplace recently that that saying we need to do better is is about the same as is hopes and prayers for gun violence like it. It's just something that comes out of your mouth and it means you have absolutely no intention of doing something about it. Um, so so when we talk about, you know, it, in the nonprofit sector, your your integrity is all you have. And you realize that your people are going to give to you because they believe in your mission 100 percent of the time. And some of the other things. So there's there's other studies that are just recent that are so interesting because they're tangential to this. Not the same thing. But it's like if if you find out that. There's a charity for that serves cats and a charity that serves dogs. And you're a dog person. You've always been a dog person. You give to the dog person charity. And then you read a study or you read something in the newspaper that says, you know, the, the dog charity is, you know, 75% effective and the cat charity is 95% effective. It doesn't matter. You're a dog person. You're still giving to the dog charity, which means that the purpose, the cause, the reason that you're a nonprofit is always going to be much more important than the individual activities that you undertake and provided you're not terrible, you know, that you're, that you're not coming down on the wrong side of this thing, <laughs> you know? Right, right. Um, and if you, if you do come down on the wrong side of it, you get what you deserve. Oh, you do. <laughs> hey everybody, Stacey Wedding here. Thanks so much for tuning in to a special guest we have with us today. Uh, John Waldron, who is the CEO of the LGBTQ Center of Southern Nevada. We wanted to invite John in because uh, we got a a timely question, and Andy and I, as as you heard, uh, started sharing our own opinions about it, but we certainly are far from the experts. So we thought, let's bring someone who's sort of in the trenches doing work around social justice issues to to help uh, kind of shed some light on a really important and timely topic today. So with that said, um, I'm going to ask John, who's who's here with me today, to just uh, share anything and everything he wants to with us about himself, his background, and the center. John, welcome. Thank you, Stacy. It's wonderful to be with you. I've been a listener for a while, as you know, and so I appreciate all the work that you're doing. And uh, I'm just excited to share some things about the center. We've been uh, in Las Vegas now for about 27 years and uh, serving the LGBTQ community, but also uh, 
serving low to moderate uh, income residents in the downtown area, including some of our home insecure residents in the area. So we do a lot more than just serving uh, the LGBTQ community. So I'm really proud to be here and share that with everyone. As far as me, um, I've been in town for 41 years now. And so a longtime resident, I spent 25 years in the newspaper business with the Review Journal on the advertising operations side of things and spent a little bit of time with Opportunity Village, which is where I got my taste of nonprofit and uh, my excitement over uh, being part of a mission and serving the community. Uh, made a short stop over at Boyd Gaming, had a wonderful experience there doing leadership development and just got the opportunity back in January 2019 to take on the leadership of the center. And we were facing some pretty big challenges at the time, but we have a wonderful, wonderful team over there that worked really, really hard to overcome some some great challenges. And and we're building some uh, really good momentum. And, and just like everyone else, the COVID crisis has thrown us a, a big curve and made things even more challenging for us. But it also gave the team over at the center, including our volunteers and our boards, the opportunity to rise to the challenge. And um, and so we know we're going to come out the other side of this, just like the rest of the community. And, um, and, and again, we're just really, really proud of the work that we're able to do in service to others. Well, we are so lucky to have you, your experience, your background, and just who you are as a human being. Uh, for our listeners, I've had the pleasure of, oh gosh, John, I don't know, how many years has it been? Is it five years? Um, yeah, it's about five years. Yeah. All right. Well, you've got a better memory than I do. And, <laughs> you know, I, I first got to meet John at, at sort of a, a retreat we both were attending and uh, it just felt like kismet at that point. And uh, really, I just appreciated um you know, who he, who you are as a person. And uh, it's been great to watch your journey and uh, our, our nonprofit sector is so lucky to have you leading, uh, leading the helmet at an important organization in our community. So um, again, thank you for joining us. And um, with that, let's get started. So really the question uh, is, is very timely. Uh, it's something that probably is, is top of mind for many of our listeners. And, and the question we got was, should our nonprofit take a stand on social justice issues if we think it might alienate some donors? Always a heavy topic. John, can you share some of your thoughts on this? Sure. And as you know, the center is certainly an organization that part of our mission is social justice. And um, all of this is timely for us for a variety of reasons. But one of the reasons why it's timely for us is the fact that uh, a segment of our community that is most under uh, threat of, of violence, including oftentimes murder, is our black trans female uh, um, members of the LGBT community. And so for us to be standing up for social justice causes in relation to racial matters is just part of what the center does. And so it's an easy decision for us on where we place our participation as an organization and, and what's currently going on. And I realize and recognize that uh, that 
for others, it may be more challenging. But I think it starts with looking at where you stand on principle in the matter of social justice and the objectives of, say, for instance, the Black Lives Matter movement. If on principle, the organization or or you support the movement and the cause of social justice, then there is what I believe to be a moral obligation to speak up and stand with the black community as they fight for their rights and protections from things like excessive force. And the hope at that point is that your donors will recognize that you've taken a stand for what you believe to be right and in alignment with the values of the organization that the donor chose to support. And most donors are sophisticated in understanding that they may not agree with everything the ED or the CEO may choose to do and can still support the mission and work of the organization that motivated them to, to offer support in the first place. I think the key is to communicate clearly and candidly on the decision and to answer the donor's questions, engage in a conversation to earn the respect for your decision that you made. And we know that being persuasive is a key skill when we lead an organization and we use that skill to clearly communicate the logic and reasoning of our decision. And in a case like this, we either bring the donor in alignment with our decision or we at least earn their respect that our decision is one of principle. And in the end, If a donor is subsequently lost over the decision, it will certainly be difficult, but often the right thing to do is the harder choice, right? And you have the opportunity at that point as a leader to stand up for what you know to be right and just. Well, I love, I love, um, I love the, what you said. It's, it rings true on so many levels. And I guess one of, one of the questions I have as a follow-up is, have you received, I mean, I would, my assumption would be at the center, given you're at the heart of so, so many of these issues and it's, it's really embedded in your mission. Have you received any pushback from some of your communications or have you heard of any other organizations who have received pushback, whether it be from donors or other people? Um, and how best, how best should people approach that pushback if they get it? Well, I think the the approach to it is the open dialogue. Uh, don't run away from things. Uh, we, we see that too much uh, in society as it is, which is part of the problem that we're having. We need to run toward the dialogue and, and toward the tough conversations, including conversations with our donors or others, uh, other supporters who uh, may have pushback. For the center, we... Again, as as a social justice organization, uh, the expectation is for us to be participating, and and our donors understand that. Our supporters understand and align with us in wanting us to be part of the conversation going on in the community right now and part of the solution. But again, as I as I mentioned earlier, I know that that it's not as clear-cut for some organizations, but I think the worst thing that we can do at this time is to be fearful of the tough conversations, and and we really do need to engage one another, and especially our supporters who may be having a little bit of pushback against us, but we are all at this time accountable for where we stand on things, and 
we we have to decide where uh, we're going to put our energy and participating in what I think is a really critical time for our country and and addressing issues of systemic systemic racism and um, and other things that people are, are out there talking about right now. I'm wondering for, for the organization, the person who wrote in with this question, I, we don't have a lot of background, right? We don't know what their mission is. We're not sure what type of organization. Um, I guess, I mean, I, I mean, just sort of an observation, and I don't know, um, I, I want to be compassionate for the person who wrote in. I'm wondering, though, also, uh, is, there, is there an opportunity if, if you are concerned about alienating donors, partners, whomever, um, is there something you think organizations can do um, perhaps to break, I don't know if it's brace, um, you know, is, is it just that the donor sees that communication the first time via email or whatever public statement is released, social media, and, and that's where the donor sees it? Or do you think there's an opportunity for um, not asking permission, because I don't, I don't think we want to set up that dynamic, but some kind of conversation before that goes live, if, if they are worried about some of these sensitivities. Do you think there's any opportunities there? There's certainly opportunity to connect with our donors directly, especially when we know that we have a donor who may have some issues with what we're about to do. And hopefully we get to know our donors well enough, and especially our major donors, and we have a relationship with them already, one of trust, where we have a sense that we might need to reach out directly to this person. Person. And I've done that at the center. There are uh, a number of donors that I communicate with on a regular basis. And I even reach out for advice oftentimes from them on, on things that we're getting ready to do. But then for the wider audience, uh, what I've chosen to do is I have been writing letters or I've been writing email blasts essentially in the form of letters to lay out my logic behind the choices that we've been making, including what we've been doing recently with regard to the Black Lives Matter protests and marches and vigils and, and our participation to ensure that, um, that the community hears directly from me and exactly why we decided to do what we did. And the other thing that, that we've done is I've reached out to some of our community leaders to ensure that they're aware of what uh, we've done and, and why we've made the decisions that we've made. Um, I personally have a, a strong connection to some local law enforcement here in town, some of the leaders in the local law enforcement, and I reached out to them as well to uh, make a connection on what we are doing as an organization. So trying to just cover all bases so that nobody has to wonder why did the center do what they did, but instead proactively making sure that it's spelt out clearly and the message is going out through a variety of channels. Communication is at the heart of everything we do. I, I was just having a conversation with someone recently about sometimes communicating our thinking behind why we chose to do something is so important. Um, so people don't fill in those holes or those gaps with their own stories and their own narrative. So, um, so being able to share your why and the logic that you describe um, 
really is 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 actually pretty profound. I think something that not not all of us do a great job at. It's like you said, Stacy, that if we do not provide that information, people make it up. Our mm-hmm. minds automatically do that. And so that's why we have to spell it out in that way. Do you sort of, as we, as we think about um, how, how to communicate, for, for many people who have avoided this issue and these hard, tough topics um, and, and haven't been, you know, um, not even trained, but, but don't even know the words um, to use, not use. I hear a lot of people getting caught up in um, not wanting to offend, not wanting to say something incorrectly. And, and as a result, that keeps them quiet, which is exactly what uh, we don't want to have happen. So do you have any advice for those listeners who may just not be well-versed in these types of conversations or communications? So I can relate very well to that because I have many of those same fears personally. As a white gentleman, I know that some of the conversations out there are going to be tough right now with regard to race and what's going on. But one of the things that I think is absolutely critical for all of us is that we face our fears and we do everything except to be silent. So right now, our silence really speaks louder than anything else. And when we shy away from the difficult conversations, we're in an incredibly difficult time as a society, but we have an amazing opportunity to change things for the better. And I think that we're seeing the conversation on a level like we've never seen before. And I think that we have a, just a tremendous opportunity to uh, help make things better. And what the black community is looking from us to do is to speak up and engage and find our voice. And as difficult as it is and as comfortable as it is, we have to do that because every day people of color in this country are uncomfortable. And if we are uncomfortable now, that's okay, because that's where we need to be, and we need to be engaged in the conversation. Beautifully said. Well, I am so grateful that you shared with us your your words of wisdom, your own experience, some of your own vulnerability around this uh, means the world, John. Um, in, In parting, are there any final words you want to share with our listeners? I'm just grateful for the opportunity again, and I hope that as we all continue to recover from the uh, the crisis, and you know, and and we get to whatever our new normal is, that uh, at some point we we see all your listeners come by the center and learn more about what we do. And um, and again, we're 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 very honored to serve the community, and I'm very honored to be here with you today. Well, thank you. And uh, I know you've been an avid listener. So thank you for that as well. That, that means so much. So, John, keep up the, uh, the tough work, but the critically important work. We appreciate you. And uh, thanks again, listeners, for joining us. Andy, is 2020 over yet? So here's the thing. It's like it was so bad. And then and then the Supreme Court 
has like two good things in a row, right? So they, oh, thank heaven. Right? It, was like, oh. it felt like it was going, like everything was going horribly wrong. And then there's these two little tiny points of light. And it's like, okay, maybe, maybe we're just, maybe this is the one thing that's going to help us right. turn the corner and, and we right. can finish the year out strong. Right. At least that's I, what I'm hoping. I, I'm, I, you and me both, because I'm just, I'm holding on like many people are, you know, by a thread. So, anyways, we appreciate you holding on and being listeners of Nonprofit Everything. Thank you for, for joining us for another episode. It's always a treat and we dig your questions. We get so excited when we get questions from you. So if you just want to see us like giddy school children running around on, you know, I don't know, in the playground that, that <laughs> just picture us, that's kind of a funny, uh, funny sight, right. Or jumping on our couches or I don't know, some goofy thing, but yes, if you want to see us that elated, please send us a question, nonprofit, everything.com. Uh, you can always check us out there and thanks so much to Anne, Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits for being uh, the the presenter host of this. Uh, we we couldn't do it without them. And with those of you who are and members, we appreciate you as well. Mm-hmm.